Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact. Sound healthcare decisions are part of good financial planning. The Classic Business Health and Wellness feature is proud to partner with MedShield Medical Scheme, your trusted partner for life. Now, beyond the immediate global healthcare challenge of the pandemic, we see lots of technology fundamentally altering the shape of medical care and the interface between flesh and trips grows uh, ever closer. We've got Elon Musk's Neuralink, a company developing microchips designed to go into people's brains. While locally, we've got a firm using artificial intelligence to revolutionise radiology. What does all of this mean for the way that we access healthcare, the cost of healthcare, and of course, the fundamental question of uh, if we start to implant chips in our brains, of what it means to be human? Well, to find out, I'm joined now by Jayshree Naidu, who's a pediatric radiologist and CEO of Envision It Deep AI, and Johan Stein, our resident AI expert. So welcome both. Jayshree, kick us off. You're a pediatric radiologist and the past chairperson of the South African Society of Pediatric uh, Imaging. And radiology really is all about looking for patterns in the data. So no stretch to move from there into AI. How did you come to establish Envision at Deep AI? And what are you focusing on solving currently? Hi, Michael. Um, so my, my story um, really is quite a long story. Um, I was 20 years qualified in radiology, working in public hospitals and Um, In 2010, I became the first South African-trained pediatric radiologist. Through the years, I uh, participated in a lot of outreach efforts where I realized that, you know, despite my efforts, uh, just with human capacity alone, we can't solve the challenges we face. Uh, In a continent where more than half the population is under the age of 15, I'm still one of 20 pediatric radiologists in this continent. And so I realized that I can use technology and technology like artificial intelligence and get a machine to actually augment and multiply my role. And that's how we established Envision a Deep AI. So we developed an AI platform called Radify, which helps to augment and empower doctors to read diagnostic imaging and therefore streamline um, a lot of the workflow issues um, experienced in radiology. One of only 20, did I hear you correct, uh, on the African continent of uh, uh, pediatric radiologists out there. A remarkable shortage, but why we need uh, technology solutions, uh, I think, is certainly very clear there. So how does this technology actually work? You've developed it uh, with your your partner and husband. Congratulations. I believe you've just celebrated 20 years of marriage. Terence Naidu, I've spoken to him several times on various other platforms, a very well-known entrepreneur, and Andrei uh, Mikachev. Uh, what does Radify really seek to do? How does it use AI and machine learning to solve for some of those challenges? So Redify is the artificial intelligence platform and it was supervised, trained using the expertise of radiologists. And so as an artificial intelligence platform, it actually detects and highlights various pathologies on imaging, recognizing various uh, patterns and disease process. So we've got Redify for COVID that helps in the detection of COVID pneumonia and helps to triage patients who have COVID pneumonia and have a higher risk. We have Radify for tuberculosis, uh, very similarly also triaging patients for TB. Um, We have Radify for mammography, which helps in early detection of breast cancer, and Radify for ultrasound, which is really a point-of-care solution 
um, that really provides a radiology level performance at the point of care. So what it does is detects various patterns um, and think of Radify more or artificial intelligence as a human brain um, that was trained on various imaging data um, and it performs based on this uh, training data, it's very similar to a human. Um, but what we do is the combination of human and machines to form this human cybernetic relationship. And that's why we're different. And do you see, uh, uh, perhaps we'll come back to this question, Johanna, I just want to bring you in on the broad uh, thrusts of what we've just heard. Often when you and I are talking on this show, uh, we, we talk to practitioners who, who may be very academically inclined or, or practitioners who are more in the nuts and bolts of the field. Jayshree really straddles those two uh, quite well in terms of uh, solving, using AI, solving for real world uh, challenges. Do you see this as uh, the future of AI development, uh, taking particular expertise from a, a highly specialized field like radiology and then applying an AI lens over that? Yes, absolutely. You know, I see a lot of AI advancement in commerce and in how organizations work from an office customer facing point of view. But we, that's why we always speak about democratizing this technology. We can't just use it to become richer and to build bigger organizations. It has to benefit humanity. And I think of all the domains so far where I've seen AI being utilized, healthcare and, and medicine is most likely the most promising one. It can, and as I often write you know, in Business Day, you know, it, it can go two ways. This can really help us as humans when it comes to longevity and, and quality of life. But it can also go the other way and uh, more a dystopian way. And I guess we can speak about that a bit more today. Yeah, we will certainly come to that. Uh, but broadly speaking, and Jayashree, maybe, maybe to bring you back in on that point again, how you've seen your journey evolve. Uh, did you have to acquire significant new skills from your medical training to make the leap now into the field of AI when you combine the two? Yes. Uh, so prior to establishing the company in 2019, I spent three years actually working um, and studying the field of data science. So I had to learn and to train my mind, very similar to our Radify platform. So I had to learn as well. And you'll find that, you know, with artificial intelligence, the spread of knowledge and technology will intensify. Um, and very similar to a human, no algorithm is perfect. Mm. And so having that combination of the human expertise and experience and combining with with the accuracy and efficiency of an algorithm is the perfect match. Now, Johan, I think healthcare systems, they do, and to your earlier point, when, when you look at early adoption, they, they share a lot of common features with manufacturing systems. And they, uh, it's all about um, revolutionizing these, uh, these systems, though. And we often talk about the fourth industrial revolution. If we talk about the fourth medical revolution here, what would you say characterizes healthcare 4.0? Michael, I think more than anything, assisting doctors and medical care workers to help people better, not replacing them. Um, think, for instance, if, if I can use a mobile app before going to my general practitioner so that the app can already give a most probable diagnosis. It doesn't replace the doctor, but maybe given the time scale that doctors have in seeing patients, it can almost increase that um, churn, if you would, not churn, cadence, really, in, mm -hmm. in the kind of uh, medical care we give. But m more so than anywhere, for people in poor and rural areas, which is most of people on earth, 
medical equipment is not always available, expertise is not always available, and, and that's really something that I'm very interested in and passionate about. How can we use healthcare that to a large extent is only, or, or brilliant healthcare that only reaches the, the top few percent of well-off people in this world? How can we use that technology now and reach out to millions or billions of people on earth with this technology. So that for me, apart from the advances in the actual technology and the science of medicine, it's making it better for more people on earth. On that point, how do you, uh, Jayashree, see that uh, happening in a place where AI is augmenting the role of the paediatric radiologist, but there's only 20 of you on the African continent? How do you then scale the solution to service more people in desperate need of the services? Yeah, so our vision is to democratize diagnostic healthcare. And so we're not focused only on just discovering and developing new tools, but especially in a continent like Africa, we want to deliver it to the patients most at need. And so the biggest challenge we face, especially in Africa, is broadband challenges um, and access to um, you know, various forms of imaging equipment. And that's why we've created various solutions. Um, you, know, you have the cloud-based solution for a very good infrastructure, and we have actual on-site solutions where we provide a server at the point of care. And this is why we've also integrated our AI solution with ultrasound equipment. Um, it's very portable, uh, it's low cost, it can give you diagnosis at the point of care. So we've had to tailor our AI solution to accommodate um, an African population. And I see that you uh, were runner-up at, or second runner-up at Cisco's Global Problem Solver Challenge. Uh, some dollar-based prize money there, obviously going back into uh, the business. What is your sense in terms of the, uh, the development of what is still a very nascent industry, uh, such as medical AI, and, and the trajectory of, of, of travel here in Africa? So I'm sure you uh, rub shoulders and interact with many similar startups. Is it gaining sufficient scale and momentum at an industry level? I think definitely the current healthcare crisis has brought to the forefront that need for innovative collaboration in bringing a, a more universal, democratized type of healthcare. And I do feel post COVID, there is um, significant interest as well as advances in technology. Um, mm -hmm. And we're going to move to a more proactive type of healthcare system. We have a very reactive healthcare system now, and especially in Africa. Patients come in very late um, where, you know, their prognosis of disease is far more advanced, um, but there's significant interest in technology. Um, even artificial intelligence, you, you're going to find in a few years' time that these artificial intelligence tools are going to be embedded in clinical decisions. Um, it's going to be embedded in hospital um, administrative processes. So it's going to be part of the daily activities that it's not going to be called, um, you know, artificial intelligence. It's going to be called intelli clinical intelligence and it will become yeah. so routine. Um, yeah. So definitely will empower doctors and yeah. never replace them. Yeah, speaking to Richard Friedland of Medcare, he certainly recognised that at a broad hospital level group, one of the biggest hospital groups in the country, that this is the future and they're investing quite heavily in that. Uh, Johan, from your interactions in, in the sort of ecosystem of AI, where would you say South Africa is if we were to look at uh, the global medical AI market? Where are we in that context? The people I've been speaking with, uh, Michael, we, we have some of the... Um best doctors, the best AI researchers, and some of the most exciting AI startups 
in the world, in my opinion. The challenge is scaling it and getting it to where people need it. I mean, if, if most areas of our country still struggle with service delivery, electricity supply, water supply even, let alone uh, connectivity, is so I think on the one hand, we, we have world-class people working in this field, but to get everyone in our, in our country to benefit from it is really where one of our main challenges lie. And uh, obviously, broadband connectivity is a challenge whenever we talk about AI in Africa. So that is certainly one that needs to be um, uh, brought to the fore. When I think of AI and, and medical AI in particular, Johan, often what I think of are um, devices, medical devices that give us a kind of predictive uh, advantage in being able to detect whether or not we're entering a zone that is maybe dangerous uh, and can predict a, a cardiac event, for example, a heart attack. Uh, and I think many people might view that as maybe slightly in, you know, uh, encroaching on their personal space, on their privacy. Do you see uh, this becoming a major challenge to overcome? Uh, and we, we're talking now where vaccine hesitancy, for example, is a major challenge in South Africa. Now we're talking about uh, devices that potentially uh, raise other ethical questions about uh, patient privacy and that kind of thing. How big of an issue do you see that as, uh, Johan? I think it's a massive issue. I don't think there's enough regulation. I don't know if we think and speak about it enough. The main change for me is, you know, we see the human body from the outside in through scans, and then we use image recognitioning technology, machine learning. But now, what if we can see the body from the inside out through implants and, and other devices? Now, I mean, if, if I'm about to die and you can implant a little robot, a nanobot into my body and it'll save my life, I will most likely want to go that route. But to your point of vaccine hesitancy, and if we think of the conspiracy theories of 5G and, and implants through the vaccines, and I'll, it'll be interesting to see how the greater population on Earth um, will accept this. But that's really the next step. It's, it's devices inside our bodies that can heal or self-heal or send signals to medical teams to better treat mm. those patients. But it's mm. a can of worms from an ethical, even philosophical point of view, I think. Yeah, I, will, I will come back to that because the, the Neuralink discussion, the Synchron discussion, all of that is opening that up. What does it mean to be human? Are we becoming cyborgs? Have we always been augmented by technology? And is bringing the calculator into the brain going to change who we are? But before we go into, in, into that level of philosophical debate, Jayashree, where do you see the, the potential challenges in terms of trusting this new technology? Are, are, are the doctors trusting it? Is, it? is it a question now of getting paid to trust it a little bit more? Where do you see the interventions that are going to be required in order for this to be accepted at scale? I think, you know, prior, prior to COVID, um, there was a lot of, um, I think, a hype and um, anxiety around um, artificial intelligence replacing doctors or replacing specialists. And I think this has been, you know, very misleading. It has created this false dichotomy of um, it's one or the other. And um, I, I do see post-COVID, this is changing, and I think the culture definitely needs to change. Um, it needs to change by involving doctors um, more in using artificial intelligence to embrace this technology. Ultimately, um, it does create a lot of ethical and societal issues. Um, as doctors, we, we took the Hippocratic oath. Um, to do no harm. And that's why I do believe that as doctors, we should be involved in such technology um, because we're empowering ourselves. So that is going to change, but it, it is going to require a lot of cultural change. 
And just talking to the issue of scanning, say, for example, for, uh, for COVID pneumonia, uh, what sort of early successes have you had with this technology and where is it currently being used? So it was implemented at two academic hospitals. Um, one hospital is in Kimberley, Robert Mangalisa Subekwe Hospital, uh, where there's just one radiologist um, serving 700 patients. Um, and so this is where you, know, you can see the full utilization of such technology. During the COVID pandemic, the radiologist was ill. And so the AI2 was used in the casualty to help triage patients with COVID pneumonia and detects those patients with a high probability of COVID pneumonia. It's such a remarkable story. We, we don't hear enough of this kind of uh, startup innovation and technology. I think taking uh, the, the term uh, Dr. Google to a whole new level, I think most people are very familiar with that self-diagnostic tool, but it really is now going into the world of uh, apps that uh, do all of these great things, bringing down costs of healthcare, broadening access uh, and uh, helping uh, prolong life uh, across the African continent, really purpose-driven mission in terms of AI for good. That was Jayshree Naidu, pediatric radiologist and CEO of Envision at Deep AI, and Johan Stein, who is uh, chatting to us in his position as chair of the Special Interest Group uh, on Robotics and AI with the Institute of Information Professionals. The Classic Business Health and Wellness feature is brought to you in partnership with MedShield Medical Scheme, your trusted healthcare partner for life. Join Classic Business and MedShield Medical Scheme next week for more insights on health and wellness. Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact.